Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. And we are so very, very glad that you have joined us today. If you have been listening consistently to this Bible study, or these Bible studies, I should say, we welcome you back. And if you're a brand new listener, we welcome you today. And we pray that you will be blessed because we're reading from a book that will bring God's blessings upon you if we give heed to it and apply it to our life. And that is the Holy Bible, the Word of God. Amen. We've got a subject today that I believe is so very important to the time that we are living in. Uh, we should have this already uh, completed in our heart, but many, many people still do not. And we're going to talk about true worship today. And you know, we can't worship God just any way we choose to. He has set down in His Word how He wants to be worshipped acceptably. Amen. Even when we, when we want to follow Him as a true disciple, a true follower of Jesus, we're to offer our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Just anything we do is not acceptable. And by the way, anything we do, even if it's right, according to the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, if it's not based on the first love, out of love for him, amen, then we're going doing the right things, but we're doing it with the wrong attitude and atmosphere of our heart. So this is a very important message today. I want to worship God acceptably. I want to serve God acceptably. Amen. I want his blessing upon my life. I need his blessing upon my life. And the greatest blessing of all is when God manifests himself to us personally, individually, corporately, collectively. We can worship as a body if we get this right. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, the Bible said that God inhabits the praises of his people. That word inhabit in the Hebrew, it means God is enthroned. I like the way a Chinese Christian described that because they used to take their, their kings and, and monarchs. And, and when the king would move from his throne in his temple to go somewhere else out of his temple, they would take his throne and they would pick it up and sit him on it and pick him up and carry him enthroned. So wherever he went, he was always enthroned. And, and this Chinese worshiper, with that understanding of this scripture that I just quoted you, said, when we worship God acceptably, we make a throne for him in our heart. And when we make a throne for him in our heart, God comes and takes his place upon his throne. Hallelujah. Well, I want to make a throne for him in my heart today so that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth might be acceptable unto him, acceptable in his sight. So we begin reading on this subject out of John's gospel, chapter four. I want to read it quickly to you once again. And this is about the woman at the well that he gave the living water. Her next desire 
was to worship him acceptably. Listen to the, as we take up this conversation with Jesus at Jacob's well, John's Gospel four nineteen through twenty four. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place, him being a Jew. That's what she just sees. She doesn't see that he's the Messiah yet. She just sees a Jew, a holy man, and she thinks of him only as a Jewish prophet. Ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must, this is an imperative, worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, on this, on this subject as we move forward of worshiping God acceptably, uh, we need to go to Psalm 50. If you will turn there, mark it down, or go with us right now in your Bible, Psalm 50. And I'm going to break this down into three sections. We're going to begin reading uh, verses 1 through 7 in Psalm 50. And, and it begins with this heading that, that we could put on these, this first section. The Lord comes to judge his people. You know, the Bible said in the New Covenant that judgment begins at the house of God. Judgment doesn't begin at the, at the, the dens of iniquity that we may think of and enumerate today. Judgment begins where truth is and where light is and where we should be applying that truth to our life and walking in that light that God has given us. He holds us first responsible. It doesn't mean that people that that are in the darkness of deception and sin uh, are not going to be accountable. It just means that it doesn't start with them who do not yet have the light. It starts with us who are the children of the light. Judgment begins at the house of God. It's important that we understand, amen, that this psalm opens majestically with the three names of God in quick succession. The Mighty One, I'm going to read it in a moment, the God, God the Lord, Elohim, Yahweh, wake up. The boss is coming. We'd better pay attention. That's what these opening verses are all about. The Lord is about to address creation, and He summons it heaven and earth, into his presence. In the next verses, a great judgment scene is set up until we find in verse 4 who he's about to judge. <laughs> and it's quite a surprise to them. Although the heaven and earth have been summoned, they are not the ones under his spotlight. Verse 4, he summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. And that's how it is with God. 
He always judges His people first. You see, judgment begins where the light is, where we have an, an, a clear understanding of what His will is for our life. And He judges His own people first because His people are supposed to be setting the standard for the rest. God's people, those whom He has revealed Himself, ought to know better than anyone else how to please Him. Praise God. Listen to this carefully. Amen. Psalm 50 and verse 1 through 6. The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. Remember when God came down upon the mountain, and the mountain shook, and every one fear gripped every heart? He shall call the heavens, verse 4, from above, and to the earth, that he may judge his people. You know, there's a scripture uh, in the Old Covenant that says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and my people their sins. You see, if we keep avoiding God's God's corrective judgments that he might instruct us how to please him, how to be blessed by him, how to be kept by him, how to be kept from the snare of the enemy, then the enemy is going to prevail even over those who have been promised such great victory. Amen. This is why this teaching about worshiping acceptably covers so many other things in our life. I'll guarantee you, you become a true worshiper, you'll become a true follower, and you'll become an authentic Christian. Listen to verse 5. Gather my saints together unto me that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Salah. I'm going to read that again. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. This is so important today. Uh, well, the rest of the psalm shows two abuses for which God judges his people. And one way to avoid them both. First, in verses 7 to 15, we find those who are engaging in ritual rather than relationship with God. I'm going to say that again. Engaging in ritual rather than a relationship with God. You know, we can go right into the New Covenant all the way to the end of the New Testament, to the book of Revelation, and we find the right rituals. These were not wrong rituals. They were rituals without relationship with God or without a right relationship with God. And he commends the rituals when they are right according to his prescription to please him, and yet it was no longer coming from the heart. And he says a surprising thing after all the commendations to the church of Ephesus. He says, but I have somewhat against you, 
because you have left your first love. Remember from whence you are fallen. Repent and do your first works, or else I will come to thee quickly and remove thy lampstand. Listen, friend, this is something that is intolerable. God will not tolerate ritual without relationship. You see, in the book, in the church of Laodicea, this church that had, had so many material blessings, they, they had no spiritual hunger, and they had no true relationship with him, and he wanted a relationship with them. Listen to what he said to the church of, of Ephesus, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, what is the first thing that's going to occur? He said, I will sup with him, and he shall sup with me. I see a table for two. I see two people in intimate conversation with one another. There is a relationship going on here. Amen. And First John says, truly, our fellowship, and that's a strong word, uh, fellowship. It's koinonia in the Greek, and it means intimacy between two people. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's so important today when it's so easy to lose relationship or never to have relationship. You know, I used to talk and preach so often on rekindling the fire of the first love. And I am coming to the place today when so many people have received Christ as Savior, but they have never developed a relationship with Him. A real first love has not burned in their heart. And so some people need it to be kindled. (laughs) It has to be kindled, dear friend, before it can be rekindled. We have to have the first love before we could ever lose it and need to return to it. Because the first love will, will bring those works of devotion. We'll become authentic followers of Jesus because devotion will cause us to be true disciples. We won't have a problem with denying ourselves, taking up our cross in order to follow him because it will be a labor of love. (laughs) The Bible said his yoke is easy when we're devoted to him and his burden is light and we can carry whatever cross that we need to carry and particularly the crucifixion of self, the denial of self in order to serve our Savior. Praise God. Amen. Let me read 7 through 15 and think about ritual instead of relationship. Listen to it carefully. It says here, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, I will testify against thee, I am God, even thy God, did the same thing to the new covenant church at Ephesus. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me, but I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, 
I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows to the Most High, and call upon me. See if we worship acceptably. Listen, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. In verse 7, we find that all is not right between God and His people, and He testifies against them. But God's not upset with them because they're slack in their religious activities. On the contrary, verse 8 said, I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. They are busy and devoted religious people. Offering to God sacrifice after sacrifice, routinely, ritualistically. But all these sacrifices are not needed or wanted without that expression of gratitude to God in our heart and devotion to God from our heart and love for God. The Lord says in verse 9, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. In other words, you're not doing this to meet a need in me. He already owns it. All, all the animals, all the cattle, all the birds, (laughs) they, they all belong to him already. So what's the point of people offering yet another sacrifice? And so it was for these people and God, they brought him sacrifices. But he wanted their hearts. They brought him ritual, but he wanted relationship. There are some people that call ritualistic worship today high worship, as if, as if this is more spiritual than just, you know, having a choir sing and singing along with them from the heart. No, no, there, this is not high worship. This is formalism. This is formal worship. They brought him ritual. And he wanted relationship. Remember what he said to the church of Laodicea, the seventh of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and I will sup with him and he will sup with me. Our koinonia, our fellowship is with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. The people had got it back to front. You see, they'd somehow got the idea that God depended on their activity in sacrificing to him. This is the point the Lord is making in verse 12. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. God does not need us to meet a need in him. God wants us and desires us to honor him. And worship Him acceptably from the heart, in spirit, and in truth. Even if He could be hungry, He said, I wouldn't turn to you. The people had lost themselves in activity, frantically, trying to feed this God who does not need to be fed. And completely neglecting a relationship with Him. They were busy busy bringing Him gifts, but they completely forgot to express their love in every one of these sacrifices. That's exactly what was happening. You see, people haven't 
changed this this idea that we can please God by by creating and bringing to him what we believe will please him on our terms no that's the danger to avoid are we so busy trying to please God that we find that we really don't know God and don't want to seek an intimate personal relationship with him if we believe that our standing with God depends in any way on the quantity of our own efforts, then we're falling into exactly the same trap as they did. God requires not ritual, but relationship. Hallelujah. Why do we give money? Do we think God is more concerned with the money than with the heart that gives? You know, we've got this down to just a a financial transaction to get more money for ourselves. It has nothing to do with loving Him and honoring Him and wanting to see His kingdom furthered and His work prosper in the earth. Oh, He wants our heart. You know, if He gets our heart, I guarantee you, He's got. He, <laughs> if He gets your heart, He's going to get your wallet. Amen. But if He doesn't have your heart, He really doesn't want your wallet. Whoa, oh, I hear somebody saying, whoa, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? Can't I just give some money and get all the blessing? No, you can't. The Bible said if any man give in the new covenant, <laughs> don't, don't, give, don't give out of necessity and don't give grudgingly. You see, it's all about the heart. God wants the heart. But give cheerfully, willingly, because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And that word cheerful means hilaru. It's where we get hilarious from. Someone is so happy to give to the Lord's work, to, to help further his kingdom and see other people come to Jesus and, and see the saints built up. And if the saints are built up, they're going to be good witnesses for Christ and other people are going to come to Jesus. Hallelujah. He's looking for not the grudging giver, but and not the one that's out of necessity. You can't be part of this fellowship unless you give so much. And oh, friend of mine, that's not what he's looking for. Once again, that comes under the ritual, even though it's a right ritual. If it doesn't come from the heart, it's not acceptable. And it's not qualifying as worship. You know, if we give from the heart, it is requalified as a spiritual sacrifice, a sweet smelling savor to God. <laughs> but if we don't, it stinks in his nostrils. I'm telling you, all of this, this stuff that doesn't allow for a right relationship with him. Amen. If it's not coming from the heart, that's part of truth that he's looking for in worship. He certainly doesn't need the money, but he wants us to give our material blessings part of that in order for his work to be, get done and others to be reached with the gospel. Why do we come to church? Do we think God is pleased to see us here because we made the effort to come? He doesn't need us to come to church, you know. But He does want us to know Him. And if we come to God's house to worship Him in spirit and in truth, and to seek to know Him and have fellowship with Him, 
Why do we say prayers? Simply because that that's what we've always done or there's some crisis and we need help. He doesn't need our prayers, but he does want our hearts. It's all about relationship. That's what really matters to God, not ritual. However sophisticated and energetic the ritual may be. What does God tell them to do about it? What do you give a God who has everything? Verse 14 is very clear. It says, sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Finally, as promised, we are getting into the real heart of the matter. The real heart of true worship is an attitude of gratitude. And it is what promotes devotion, enough devotion to offer our body a living sacrifice. It is thanking Him. It's loving Him back for loving us. The Bible said that's why we should love Him. That's what should stimulate that first love in our heart and keep it white hot. Hallelujah. Praise God. We love Him. Not because we are commanded to, though we are commanded to. But he knows just doing it because out of necessity and not from the heart is not what the command is is all about. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, all thine heart, soul, strength, mind. Oh, friend of mine, we should love him that much, but not just because he demands it, but because he deserves it. I don't know if you're hearing me clearly today. We're not just keeping commandments to love because he demands it. We're we're keeping it because he deserves it. We love him because he first loved us. And that's what keeps us from the rituals that can make religion become nothing more than just a routine on Sunday and not what God has has really created us to give Him. Oh, I pray that you'll come back next week as we pursue this this teaching because I believe it's going to. I believe we're going to make a throne for God, and when we do, I believe God is going to come. And take his place and sit upon that throne and manifest himself to you and I and manifest himself to us and through us manifest himself to the world when we declare Jesus is Lord. Come back next week and let's talk about Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, I pray that you will come to him right now. And let Him forgive your sin. Repent of your sin. Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And come back next week and let's study the Word of God together. And let's serve God acceptably together. In Jesus' name.